let's go behind the page now on the mini series that allegedly inspires this this movie and it does take a lot of <laughs> superficial elements from um it's a series that ran in uh, at the very end of 1982 from september to december it's just four issues long it's a mini series um and it's it, it might be one of my favorite marvel stories ever i i i adore this i mean I had the trade paperback collection. I bought it from a bookshop called Webley's in Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent, which was a great, old, wonderful bookshop. Um, we'd go to go to sort of uh, Hanley. Stoke was the nearest city to me, and we'd go, you know, every four, uh, six to eight weeks, and I could be able to go to a comic book shop. And I remember taking it on holiday with me when I was in my in my sort of early teens mm. and it was one of the few book things i'd taken with me and so i read it and i reread it and i've got an awful lot of this buried into my brain but it is objectively i've gone back and reread it recently it's objectively very very good it is held up as a classic for a reason it's written by chris claremont who we've talked about a lot when we talk about the x-men the father of the x-men the guy that um, wrote the series for 16 years and created all the great x-men stories that you care to think of from the phoenix saga days of future past um all these seminal moments and it's also um the other half of it is created by um frank miller the guy behind things like dark Knight returns and um and watch uh, not watchmen what am i talking about sin city <laughs> <clears throat> and they came up with this kind of the basic idea of this mini series while they were sharing a cab on the way back from the san diego comic con in uh, in 1981 um so it's this incredible pairing of two of marvel's hottest talents like one the clement is in the middle of this incredible hot streak in a franchise that he essentially created although he didn't but he did um and and miller is um has been doing genre redefining work on daredevil go mm. back to our daredevil episode we praise this an awful lot he's taking this slightly silly character of daredevil and creating this crime noir story with him um his artwork has probably never been i don't think it's been better um <clears throat> you know i don't think the sin city stuff is better than what he does on daredevil and in this it's incredible um and they they are not trying to come up they don't have a mandate to do this they just they're in it they're in a taxi they get talking they come up with this clement wrote like an introduction um for the for the mini series um oh we'll get to that no sorry we'll get to that later clement has spoken in an interview about this and he said for the first wolverine mini series i was pitching it to frank miller and his blunt response was i don't want to do four issues of some muscle head cutting people open <laughs> to come out of that quote just a minute to say i don't I can't believe Frank Miller is saying that. He's built his entire career on tough guys acting tough. Yeah. Um, that's weird, but okay. Um, uh, Clement would say, I, I said, that's good. And he said, why? So we started talking about who Wolverine is as a person and how he got to where he is. Throughout the course of a four-hour traffic jam on I-5, we evolved the concept that we wanted to play with. It had nothing to do with hacking and stabbing or him being a superhero. 
It had everything to do with him being a man trying to reach for something beyond his grasp, mm. while also dealing with the prejudice of Mariko's father, who views him as nothing more than an animal, and Wolverine struggling to prove that he is more than that. There's an awful lot going on in this incredible four-issue miniseries. It's very pulp-heavy. Mm-hmm. It is a pulp story through and through. Um, well, that's Frank Miller, isn't it? He does that kind of uh, pulp. Yes, neo But this is very, very early on in him doing it. Oh, okay. You know, Sin City has not been conceived of yet. Mm. He's doing great work on Daredevil. This this miniseries is is, is is pulp through and through. I mean, not very. Basically, Wolverine gets knocked out a bunch of times. That's very. Uh, that's very uh, pulpy. That's very um, noir esque. Um, the central character in a pulp, in a noir, sorry, not in a pulp. The central character in a noir story is 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 usually caught up in corruption and and, and politics, like a machine bigger than the man himself. Mm. An awful lot of PIs. You can look at Chinatown. You can look at the Big Sleep. Yeah, you can look at things like that. Um, it's a man manipulated and lied to usually by women by femme fatales by people pulling his strings and it's usually a morally grey man with a past striving to tr- to do a, a single honourable thing even though it really kind of hurts him in the end mm. that's generally how noir works but there's this wonderful like synergy of what's going on like at the time, I don't know if it is true now, but at the time, American readers would any any readers would associate Wolverine with the lone cowboy archetype, right? He he was drawn and to look a little bit like Clint Eastwood with the hair and the sideburns, and he was written with his kind of narration to be a little bit like Clint Eastwood, yeah. the strong, the silent type, the man with no name, all of those kind of tropes, and of course. Those iconic westerns that you take, that you associate with Clint Eastwood, were themselves heavily influenced by classic samurai films. Ah, whether it's The Magnificent Seven from The Seven Samurai, Fistful of Dollars from Yojimbo. Mm. So there is this idea, this very smart idea, of just getting Wolverine to embody both of those things: the, the samurai and the cowboy. It has these. The central themes um, play an awful lot towards um, a read, a reading of Japan at the time in the eighties, um, mm. and this is perhaps a Western reading of Japan. I'm not saying that this is entirely what Japan is or was at the time, but Japan was known for having a long military history. Um, by 1982, of course, there's a Second World War. By 82, the, the the history of colonialism and the history of their expansion and that conflict and the World War II and all that kind of stuff was weighing very heavily on on the on the public. Um, and their their national identity, their national culture, the samurai, the ninjutsu um, soldiers, there was kind of retracting that. There'd been like an a strong anti-militarism sentiment in the country um, mm. by the time we get to the 1980s. Um, so there's always, but despite despite that, there's always this kind of association um, with 
warriors with with ninjas with samurai with soldiers that is a part of kind of japan's cultural identity um and these are these are like these are archetypal figures that aren't just soldiers they're soldiers with a very strict kind of code of honor Mm. um and it's whether that code of honor that a soldier or warrior can have does it do enough to mask essentially the savagery of combat the savagery of killing of taking a life within some sort of civilized framework of honor and duty and Mm. and codes and all of that and oaths and that's really important to this story that of when the wolverine can inhabit these two things a lot of the central themes kind of based around this this idea of animal versus man Mm. um in whether he gives into his base desires the things that have been driving him for an awful lot an awful long period of time in the x-men comics or whether he does he, he tries to go in this other direction he strives to be a man of honor strives to operate by a code and not just kind of a self-interest self-indulgent nature um mm. and whether he can grow Chris Claremont throughout his 16-year history on the X-Men is a huge proponent of characters growing. That gets pushed back a lot by editors at Marvel because character growth isn't always seen as a positive thing by the people in charge because in their minds, well, that's great, Chris, but you're going to leave the comic one day and this franchise has got to keep going. Whereas Clement wants to evolve all these characters. And it was very easy for him to do at the beginning because no one cared about the X-Men. But now, thanks to him and Terry Austin and John Byrne, it's become a powerhouse franchise that that, that is the biggest selling comic at Marvel. Well, now things get a bit more... Yeah, but you can't change them that much. <laughs> yeah, but we like Wolverine doing this. We like Cyclops doing that. And this, this series is all about change can wolverine change is a big part of that along with this thing of real honor versus the trappings of honor Mm. like as used by the aristocracy to appear to appear civilized um quite like a quite like a major part of this so in, in at some point in the in the in the in the miniseries um the characters go and see a play um a kabuki play called 47 ronin mm. um and you could there's a lot of this clearly this this play has a uh, this story has a bit of an influence on the the, the wolverine miniseries itself um wolverine in the in the comic says of the play and he draws that's why you, you know you pay attention to it because the character main character draws you to it and mm. talks about this play he says it's a tale of honor of loyalty of the samurai determination to see a course through to its end regardless of the cost it embodies all the qualities the japanese revere most in their national character and heritage it influenced um the first game of thrones book as well Ah, really? It's 47 Ronin, like the start of it anyway, Mm. is the story of a humble and deeply honourable lord, rural lord, Mm. getting caught up in the corrupt politics of the emperor's court. Ah. Right? And when he gets in there, the the, the presence of a truly honourable man 
disrupts the court because all the aristocracy there are horribly corrupt and on the take and doing this, that and the other uh, and really betraying all codes but following perhaps the let following the letter of the of the law whilst behind everyone's back carrying on like anyone's business. And so this humble, honourable man is, is manipulated and insulted and pushed by the corrupt aristocracy until he defends himself. But defending himself in the court is an act of aggression. Ah, okay. Deemed an act of treason and he is killed. So wow. he is manipulated and pushed to strike back and then they can throw their hands up and say oh look at him an act of aggression in the upper's court an act of treason and then that's the end for him um it's again it's this real honor versus the pretend honor that the aristocracy might claim that you might claim as being civilized Mm. um and on the basis of that once he's died his his um his samurai his his followers and staff the people he looks after 47 of them swear revenge to redeem his honor to go and they they take this long course which is gonna gonna result in terrible lives for them they will be committing treason they will be in prison they will be killed they'll have all their lands taken from their family will be but it's it's about that doesn't not that it doesn't matter but i have to see this through to the end because honor must be served I have to honour the fallen lords, and I have to take this, take revenge on this. Um, and it's about seeing that course through. The person, the people that did this, must pay. Yes, it's going to make my life horrifying, but I just have to do it. Which has a lot of similarities with a lot of um, noir stories. I think as well. This is Wolverine at this time is not the Wolverine you'd know or recognize to this day. He's a very cantankerous character. Mm. He has not been fleshed out much in the X-Men comics at all. Um, he's this guy with this berserker fury, just as likely to attack his friends as his teammates, and as he's his foes. And he's just this kind of wild card character. Mm. He's not particularly popular. He's not well thought of. He's not particularly well liked. He kind of is, you know, but there's this period of time where Wolverine is multiple times maybe going to get axed from the X-Men comic. Um, they think that Chris Clement thinks that Nightcrawler should be the the big star of the X-Men comic. You mm. know, there's a lot of odd things going on around this period of time of him not really looking like like the 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 the, the main star we know him to be. Um, and this story gives him a huge amount of depth there's a tragedy to the to the to the story that he's given here there's something noble in wolverine's attempts to improve himself and to change despite his past and um the 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 the, the quest to be a better man to be a man at all to stop being a beast to choose between these two sort of paths that are in front of him this comic, one of the best Wolverine stories ever told. It is responsible for absolutely transforming how readers thought and felt about Wolverine. This is responsible for moving him beyond the tropes of the movie musclehead anti-heroes that were so popular. Mm. Rambo, Death Wish, Chuck Norris, which he was kind of cast in. The tough guy. 
This is the groundbreaking series that gave Wolverine a heart and a soul and absolutely changed the character forever. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind-the-page, behind-the-scenes and comic book Marvel history. (laughs) 